Good morning, everybody. Morning. I have the joy of sharing with you this morning of, uh, on the Minor Prophets, the continuation of uh, our theme of running through uh, the Bible and showing the, the fullness of it. It isn't just this part and that part, it's the whole. And as we've talked over the last few weeks, we've seen the progress of the Garden of Eden, we've seen and of an awesome, majestic God move upon lives of mankind. Sole purpose is to demonstrate his love, care, provisions, and forgiveness. We see the fall of mankind into sin, where God took the initiative providing the sacrifice to, su- to supply clothes for coverings for Adam and Eve. The flooding of the earth and Noah being rescued and the family. Abraham being called to live a life of faith as God calls us also to live the life of faith. The sacrifice of his son Isaac, God providing an alternative sacrifice. Isaac's son, Esau and Jacob. We've been through the whole gambit. We've seen Moses bringing the children out of Israel. We've seen the, 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 the whole uh, setup of the miracles in the wilderness. And God is still doing miracles in the wilderness. He's still working within our hearts and lives. He's still doing the great things that God is doing. Could you go back one slide, please? And so today we come to the Minor Prophets. And we saw last week we heard about Ezekiel being one of the main prophets. But today I want to bring a message to you today from the Minor Prophets. This is 17 of uh, the 30 that we're doing. And as you notice, it seems a strange start, but I've actually started with a New Testament verse from Hebrews. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. If you never learn anything else, that's vital this morning. And to know that God never changes. He won't change his mind. He doesn't change his purposes. He includes you into them and he's working through your heart and life. You go to the next slide please and then. So this is the story of understanding God's great plan. We see that both the New Testament and the Old Testament are one. God's plan A, and I've written underneath the slide that you can see, there never will be and there never is a plan B. God only uses plan A. The next slide, please. All the events that we relied upon will continue to proclaim the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah. The message that comes is from Hosea. The Lord spoke his word to Hosea, the son of Beeri, when Uzziah, Jathan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, was the king of Israel. So we see that, as we saw last week, the dividedness of the kingdom, that the Israel and Judah have just been so separate, but yet one. And so, so many times it reminds me of, you know, the, the household of where we live. You know, sometimes we, we live, don't we? We live with, with, a, with a partner, with our wives, and, and so often we get, we get this a conflict. But we're still pulling in the same direction. We want the best for the family. And so we see this divided kingdom, and God's saying to them, look, you're divided, but you're still one people. You're still one company, and I want the best for you. I want to bring you to this place of unity, bring you to this place of prosperity, bring you to this place of comfort in me. So we see today that things are really going. And so 
Hosea boldly tells them, and that's the, the, the greatness of all these prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets, is they proclaimed what was going on in their time. They told people, look, you've got to come away from your sin. You've got to come away from the destruction that will come upon you if you continue in your sinful ways. Men are not to be flattered in sinful ways because they prosper in the world. Nor will it last long if they go in still in their transgressions. And the one thing I really want to come to you today is, the next slide is a New Testament um, verse again, which is John 10.10. And the thief comes not to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we have this picture that from the very beginning, Satan's been involved in the plans to try and thwart what God is doing. But he'll never succeed. And he won't succeed because God is sovereign and he's concerned with everything in your life. Have you ever had that moment in your life and you really think that you're going along quite well and all of a sudden it feels like you've lost it, it's falling apart and you're just losing it. But you know, God still isn't in control. And the marvellous thing about it is, this is A. The same verse, part B, is the best part ever. I am come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. And the reason I put that verse there is because it is so relevant to where we've seen through the whole of our going so far. We've seen the way that God has intervened in the prophets' lives. We've seen the way that he intervened in the times of Israel. We've seen the way he's intervened and to brought into uh, the very essence of where things are going. And one of the minor prophets again is Joel. And I've got a a few verses from Joel. And it's chapter 1 from verse 5. Wake up and cry, you drunks. Cry loudly, you wine drinkers. New wine has been taken away from you. Strong nation attacked my land. It has too many soldiers to count. They have teeth like lions. They have fangs like grown lions. They destroy my grapevines. They ruined the fig trees. They stripped off what they could eat and threw the rest away. And we see that as we go through that, bits and pieces, the, just the, 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 the depriment that people can go to, the, the awesomeness that, that can come upon your life if we don't keep in step with God, if we don't keep going on, if we don't keep working together with God. And these prophets was to bring uh, their message forward. We see from the next prophet, Amos, was the time of repentance. He wanted to, to kept preaching about restoration. They build ruined cities and live in them. They plant vineyards and drink the wine. They will plant gardens and eat their fruit. It's so real of life that we want to get involved in what we're doing. But the problem is that as long as we have this sin upon our life, as long as we continue in disobedience, we will never get anywhere. God wants us to be an obedient people. And I'm really sort of trying to get across the, the awesomeness. What I want to really say is this, is that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're dealing in people's lives. We're dealing in people's lives and 
I've lost myself now. But we're dealing in people's lives. And the most important thing is, is to remember that we've got to be not just looking for the gifts of the Spirit, not just wondering and anchoring after things, but that we can really get together and work if we work with the Holy Spirit. We could really get together and accomplish what God wants in our lives if we're obedient to his leading. But one thing that's really been worked upon me with this word more than anything else is the fact that we can ask for all the gifts of the Spirit. We can search after prophecy. We can seek to uh, lay hands on the sick. We can really give everything that we've got to muster the gifts of the Spirit. But what I want to tell you this morning is it's great searching after these things. And the prophets of God were saying that search the best of God, search the best of God, search the best of God. And what I want to say to you this morning is search the best of God. God has come that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. Do we really live in that abundant life? God wants us to live in that abundant life. God wants us to really interact with one another. But, you know, the, the thing is, today we are today's prophets. We are the prophets of today. But what I want to say to you is, be the prophet of today. Search for prophecy. Search for the, the gifts. But please, please, please remember that these gifts operate in faith. And faith comes from God. And the most important is to also seek for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace and gentleness because we're interacting with people's lives. These prophets were interacting with people's lives. You know, we've got one prophet, one of the major prophets, who as we talked on last week as Pete brought the message. You know, if you read the book, it's woe and desolation and he's called the weeping prophet Jeremiah. And when you look at the success, you could say, well, why is he there? What success did he have? But you know, out of the weeping and the tears and the obedience that he did, he was showing the fruit of the Spirit. He was saying, look, I'm doing these things, but I'm treating, and I want to come into your heart and life, but I'm, I'm using love, and I'm using gentleness, and I'm using faithfulness and patience. I'm using all the things that are there to, to inspire you to, to get the best from God. You go back to Malachi during the latter days he prophesied but you know the biggest thing that he prophesied was hope you know hope that wasn't ashamed hope that was in God hope that gives the surety not a, a misnomer hope that says well I hope this happens or I hope that's going to take place as if well it's got every chance it won't but we're there with the wholeness and the completeness of this hope in God he prophesied a season of great refreshing Bringing people out of a valley of decision. Doesn't that speak of today? People out there, they're just living their lives, not even thinking about God. And yet you come and you live amongst them and you work with them. And just by your life, you put them in that valley of decision. And by your words and actions, you call them to wholehearted repentance. That is what we do. That is where we are. That's the Christian that's within us. That's the life that God's given to us. To be in the place where the people are. The prophets were right there in the midst of the people. And we today are right there in the midst of the people. We're right there where God wants us to be. The little prophet is Zephaniah. And the one thing that I got that thing for us from 
he was saying that, you know, can any of you identify with where he's come from, with Zephaniah? It says that the fig tree doesn't blossom in chapter 3. Well, the fig tree doesn't blossom and there'll be no fruit on the vine. Though the produce of the olive fail and there be no herds in the store, no, no bread, if you like, no, nothing produce at all. And yet his final statement is, all this is going on, but I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will come aside and I will be what God wants me to be. And I will know, even in the times of drought, and let's face it, we all go through those times of drought. Those times when we think, well, where's God in this? Or where's God doing that? Or what's happening here within my life? But one thing I want you to really grab hold of this morning and be rest assured in, and we've sung it and sung it and sung it this morning, is, is love never fails, it never gives up. His love never fails, it never gives up. You know, we've, we've been singing songs, we've been singing worship, we've been singing adoration. Are they just words? Are they just songs? Are they just words that we mimic because they're on an acetate? Or are they something within our heart and life that we really want God to do? And this morning, I just want to challenge you afresh that God wants to do something with your life afresh and anew this morning that will take you into the realms of where he wants you to be. Not all of us are called to be preachers. Not all of us are called to be songwriters. Not all of us are called to be musicians. But all of us are called of God. We're called to have a purpose in God. We're called to seek the best in God and to treat one another with kindness, sincerity, love, all the fruit of the Spirit, as well as saying to people, get your life right. You know, um, I was sharing with somebody this morning, and I remember coming to the church I was the church I was at, I was asked to minister that morning. And, you know, as I got a young family and everything, and Sunday morning, I don't know whether you all experience the same thing, but Sunday morning always seems like a Murphy's Law. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And, you know, you get everything wound up and you think, goodness me, I'm going to be in church this morning. Oh, I've asked to minister this morning. I've got the kids doing this. I've got that going on. I'm all over the place. I remember coming into the church and I'd met the minister at the door and he says, how are we doing, Melvin? I said, I'm doing fine. He looked at me very quietly and very lovingly and he said, I think you're lying. I think we need to go and pray. <laughs> you know, how many of us really want a friend like that? It'll turn around to us, no matter what we're trying to say and no matter how good we're trying to put the face on, what we're really saying is, brother, I need prayer. Brother, I need you to be on my corner. Brother, I just need you to know that I really, really am so grateful that God's put me in this family because you care for me. And that's, you know, that's what these prophets were doing, saying, look, you're in the family of God. I want to bring this to you. I want to show you this. I want to explain this to you. Don't carry on the way you're going. Don't burn your idols. Uh, burn your food on and give it to idols. But rather, put it on a plate and give thanks to God. Don't go out and cast your stones everywhere, but take them and build something for God. Build that altar for God where you can really come. You know, I, I just urge you as families this morning, build a family altar. Get your family together. The most treasured moments that we've shared, both Rosemary, my wife, and myself, have been when we've got the children with us as youngsters, and we just got that time of a morning where we just spent 
some time. And I lived a very, very busy schedule, being here, there, and everywhere. But you know, you've got to make time. Get that family altar. Get God involved in your house. Get God involved in your life. Get God really to come and touch you right where you are. You need that touch from God. I want to take you to the New Testament. And it's just emphasizing where we are. It's James chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands at the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. They were right there, right in the midst of things, and that's what they were. God called their lives to be separate. God called them to go and do a nasty job. Go and tell the people. I mean, you, you can understand, can't you, why? You know, the, 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 you know, the human nature is, is such that we can look at people's faces and be afraid. But you know, you've got people that really, the classed as minor prophets. And these minor prophets weren't just, you know, just minor prophets, just somebody on the side. They were minor because the whole of their books, as we heard last week, wouldn't cover one major prophet. But they were called upon to do specific jobs. And I think of one particular one, Ezra, who went and stood before a king unashamedly in God's power and spoke for God and told the king why he was sad. Now, who would dare go into the, to the king sad? See, Esther, another one, who walked into the king and the king, he says, whether I... Whether I I fail or succeed, I'm in God's hands. Walked into the king who she was married to and expected to be beheaded because she just walked into his presence. And instead, there was a scepter held out to her. And we heard before about the scepter, the scepter of sovereignty, the scepter of acceptance, that scepter of royalty, stretched out towards the covering and she went and the king said to her, why are you so depressed? Why are you so sad? And she gave it the whole explanation. It's the same with Ezra. Ezra comes to the king and he gives this explanation. I'm sorrowful because not just that we're in captivity, but Jerusalem lies in ruins. My city, my city, my city of God lies in ruins. And he's so moved upon by the Holy Spirit and so moved upon the king by the same Spirit of God that he changes environments. What I want to say to you today is afresh, that be the prophet of God where you work. Be where you are. Be the man of God. And let God be God in the midst. He will open the doors. He will change people's hearts. He will change people's minds. Did I think about God when that Christian brother came and told me that I needed Jesus? No. Was I offended by his words? Yes. Did I really want to hear what he had to say? No. But he continued. He says, God loves you. God wants you. He, he desires you. He gave himself for you. And you know, perseverance and the Spirit of God broke me down. And on coming into the recognition of what God had done in my life was just completely amazing. You know, for once in my life, and it's continuous day by day, is waking up every morning and knowing the sovereignty of God. Waking up every morning and experiencing something great. 
of the wonder of God. I want us all to experience that. I want us all to come into that place. What I want for us to do is to be very sympathetic with one another, but treat the symptoms that we see before us. If somebody's in error, don't just say to him, brother, you need prayer, but pull him to one side and use that fruit of the Spirit. Nurture him in love. Encourage him. Be there for one another. The only remedy is wholehearted repentance. Acceptance into God. We are urged as the people of God to be salt and light. To be people to enable God to use us both with the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. We are urged to follow the way of love. To become a prophet, a teacher, a preacher, a priest to the people where we are using all them gifts that God's laid before us available. You see, I, I've been in, in church life a long time and I've seen so many. I remember one uh, sister coming to me, lovely sister in God, lovely. And she comes to me and says, I have the gift of prophecy. As though it's just the only thing that God's given her. But it isn't, is it? The gifts are there to use. And if God sees you in the prophetic situation, he will give you the gift of prophecy. He will give you the words to say. If he sees you in an aspect where you need to show compassion, he will give you compassion. If he sees you in an aspect where you need to show love, he will flood you with love. It's just being open to the Spirit and being available to the things God wants to give us. These prophets were available to God. Some of them were doing things that would make other people shudder. One was even asked to marry a prostitute just to show the unfaithfulness of God. Some were called in to do dynamic things, like present an altar and show the majesty of God by calling down fire on a, on a mountaintop. So wherever we are, God wants to use us, and to use us fully. God himself prophesied into the very fact of the humanity of man. He said, I want to exchange your heart of stone. I want to take away your hardness, your bitterness, your ruggedness. I want to take away your self-sufficiency. I want to do this for you and I want to give you a heart of flesh. I want to renew you in your inner man. He says, I will sprinkle you with clean water. And I'll put it on you and make you clean instead of unclean. Then I will cleanse you from all your idols. The hope that God is going to move within our heart and lives. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stubborn hearts and give you obedient hearts. I will put my spirit in you. And I will enable you to live by my laws. To enable you to live by my laws. Not to... to, to to, to, to live and say, well, is it hit or miss? There's nothing hit or miss about the Christian walk. God is a, is a faithful God. God is the God who's going to meet with you and fill you full of all the things that you need. And he wants you to be just wholly there and wholly supplied by him. I will put spirit in you and enable you to live with my laws and you will obey my rules. These prophets, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, were the very words and mind of God, calling the whole nation to repent and call upon God for, to forgiveness. The reference there is from 
Ezekiel 36, 25. We need to be like those prophets. We need to muster our generation and country. We need to be people who stand in the gap. We need to be there. We need to know that God is working within our heart and lives. We need to be available. That's all that God asks of us. He doesn't ask what your talents are. He doesn't ask what your giftings are. He says, are you available? Are you available? This morning I want to ask you that question. Are you available? Will you be that person that God wants you to be? In the factory floor, in your home, in your environment, in the school assembly, in wherever you are working, whatever it is you do, are you going to be that person of God? But remember, if you are going to be that person of God, then earnestly desire the gifts that will take you on in God, but also earnestly desire the fruit of the Spirit to enable you to function in tenderness and love and power. Be kind to one another. Be thoughtful. God has not changed and he won't change his mind. He has always, always thought the best of you. He thinks you're absolutely wonderful. He is so convinced that you're so wonderful. He is passionately in love with you. Every single one of you, God is so passionately in love with. He saved you by his grace. He brought you into this place of salvation. He has given himself. All these things can be be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that has been spoken about by the prophets. He's the one that was to come. We can look back and experience the fact that we're not living, looking forward to the cross. We're looking back at the cross, but we're not going backwards, we're going forwards. We look at the cross and we come through the cross as through a door, and we're moving onward and upward. We're people of a resurrection. You see, when we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart and life, we're not just looking to one day with some vague hope that one day uh, Jesus is going to come and maybe I'll be, everything will be all right. No. See, salvation come into our heart and life. We had spiritual life there and then. We are spiritual people. We're not looking forward to be spiritual people. We are spiritual people. We are born again. We are filled with God's Spirit. We are anointed. We are vibrant. We are on fire for God. If so be, the Spirit of God is let loose within our heart and life. You know, some people have said to me, you know, we aren't the same nature as you. I'm not as bubbly or as frothy as you are. No, I take that. I understand that. But there's still one thing that really amazes me sometimes is the fact that some people can talk about Jesus in such a matter-of-fact way without getting excited. I have honestly found that God, in all my life, I've known him from the day I accepted him into my heart and life, has completely been absolutely amazingly exciting. I've never known what he's going to do next and do with me next. Sometimes it's been scary and frightening. Sometimes it's been, whoa, and these prophets must have felt the same way. Lord, you can't ask me to do that, Lord, whoa. In fact, one of them ran away, didn't he? You have to, you know, he goes and slays 400 prophets and then decides to do a runner. And then, then sits under a tree and says, I want to die. I want to die. You know, heaven forbid we reach that stage in God in this new millennium but what we want to do is say Lord if I'm, if I'm I used to oh dear I used to sing a chorus and 
you know, and it was only afterwards, once, for, so, some real Christian brother come and laid his hand on my shoulder and said, Brother, I understand where you're coming from. I appreciate your, the, the sentiment of the scripture. I, I, I really like the, the chorus. It's really good. But for goodness sake, you know, get it real. And the chorus that, that I got was, I want to burn out for you, dear Lord. Wear and burn out for you. Don't let my life be a misery, Lord. And don't let me rust or be a failure. And, and it was them with the type of words that was in it. And, <laughs> and this brother said to me, he said, God has called you to be a success. And my word is this to you. Your choice is yours now. You can be a success and be successful in God. Or if you want to sit on the sidelines and do nothing, you can be a successful failure. But you'll be a success. Because God says you'll be a success. My desire is that you're a success in God and accomplish all that he's got for you. That's why we have the whole of this Bible to see, look from the beginning, follow the pattern through, get involved with. Proverbs 17 verse 3 said this, there's a firing pot for silver, a furnace for gold, but the Lord tries the heart. <clears throat> And the crux of it is this, <clears throat> that when we go and do things for God, it's like being in a furnace, isn't it? We get this fearful thing, we get this afraid bit, we get this humanity bit that comes upon us and says, oh, you can't really do that, you haven't got the qualifications, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. But you know, we are God's workmanship, and we are in that furnace. And the scripture goes on to tell us that we are being refined seven times to purity. Furnished for gold. The Lord tries the hearts. He wants to see your heart being tried like fine gold. He wants you to come out as something really, really uh, precious and lovely. Something wonderful and great. Something that is really there. And today in the maturing church, all of us need to have the response to the Holy Spirit to say and to do what he tells us to. We need to make a commitment every morning Every morning we wake up, we need to be saying to God, I will obey your Holy Spirit's leading. Today, Lord, enable me to live like Jesus and to be Jesus to the people and work with and meet. And to do this, we really need to have, you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit. And we see that, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, if we go there, we can see the concerning spiritual gifts that we, we want to be involved in them. We've all got these different administrations, but it's the same Lord. We've all got the diversity of operations, but it's the same God. The manifestations of the Spirit to profit everything, for, that we can all grow in grace. You know, I don't think sometimes that, you know, we appreciate what God has laid open to us. Earnestly desire the best gifts earnestly desire follow the way of love eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy that we can be relevant in this day and age we can speak into people's lives but it isn't just the only gift is it I mean the greatest gift is love the greatest gift that we could ever possess is love but we need to do all these things we need to be able to speak into where God will find us God has not changed 
is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever? For one is given the spirit of wisdom, to another the spirit of knowledge, to another the faith, all being given by the same spirit, gifts of healing. You can list all these gifts. They're there for us to use and to have. But whilst you're searching for the gifts, please, 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 don't forget the giver. Don't forget the giver. It is Jesus who works in our hearts and lives. It's Jesus who brings forth the manifestation of gifts. It's Jesus who produces within us that fruit of holiness that we can meet people's need. Seeking spiritual gifts. Remember to seek the fruit also. We've got to be bold. We've got to be strong for God. We've really got to bring that aspect of God's love into being. Being open, being led by the Spirit. But remember, as I said earlier, tread gently in love. You're interacting in someone's life. You could be that catalyst that could spark them into a real, deep, emotional relationship with God. Or you can be a stumbling block to them. And so often I've experienced in my own life, somebody come and brought the best thing, and, but, you know, and from the gift of prophecy, somebody's come to me and told me all this, that, and the other. Oh, this is what God wants you to do, brother. You know, I've had a strong word from God, and this is the way you should go, and this is what you should do. Well, I want to say this to you. It's all very good and well listening. But go to God and say, look, are these things right? Is what you're saying to me true? This is what we want. We want to be the prophet and the priest of God in this generation. We want to grow to maturity. God made us to be prophets, priests and kings. We are the church of the firstborn. We are Christians. That's you and I. God has given us gifts through the Spirit to build, to encourage, to steer so that we'll go on to perfection. As I said before, God has not changed. It's Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever and we've just got to be purposefully involved in God we need to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit I wrote this down and it's, it was something to me really when I was preparing this word commit to the long haul when you learn to walk, you spend most of your time on your bottom and not on your feet. But you succeeded. That's because you were born to walk. You may discover your major gifts quickly and easily, but to develop them to their maximum potential will be the work of a lifetime. Life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So be sure to pace yourself as you go. And by all means, go to respected, reliable, trustworthy people who you know if you need help. We all need that mentor. We all need to be mentored and to mentor. We all need to be in that place where we can learn and teach and show one another a better way. Earnestly desire the best gifts, Paul said, but I'll show you a better way, the way of love. Being tender with one another being compassionate with one another, being ready to listen instead of talk. My wife tells me that's my biggest failure. I'm great in conversation, but I've always got someone to say. So 
I'm beginning to learn bit by bit that sometimes maybe I need to open the ear gates more and shut the mouth less. And that way, maybe, who knows, God may work with me and yet and change me again. James says this in James 1, 5, verse 8, 5 to 8. But if any man among you is without wisdom, let him make his request to God, who gives freely to all without any unkind word, and it will be given to him. Let him make his requests in faith, doubting nothing. For he who has doubt in his heart is like the waves of the sea, which are troubled by the driving wind. Let it not seem so much a man that he will get anything from God. For there is division in his mind, and he is uncertain in all his ways. We do not want to be uncertain in our ways. We want to be certain of the pathway we're walking. We want to be certain of our life. We want to be certain where we're going. I want to challenge you today that, you know, just be the prophet of God where you are. Be that man of God in that situation. You know, there's a... <clears throat> One thing I really love about the church is the fact that we're a church that prays. And there's a space for prayer. There's a space where we need to come. Sometimes to let God do his work in our heart and life. I know there's people here that, you know, just want to be just moved upon afresh by God. You know, the easiest thing in the world is to just to come forward to this front of the church and let God deal with you. Yes, people will pray for you. Yes, we've got a prayer team. But it's God who's going to deal with you. It's God who's going to meet your needs. It's God who's going to charge you up for the rest of the week. It's God that's going to uh, do abundantly where you work and where you are. It's God who's going to be the person whereby when you wake of a morning, you're going to open your eyes afresh and anew, just like the day you got saved, and you'd be saying, thank you, Lord, for a new day. Thank you for a life. You've given me life today to live this day afresh. This time, Lord, to spend with you. This time to spend with your people. This time to work for you. Every day is a blessing. Do you know why it's called the present? Because that's what it is. It's a present from God. Every day is the present. It's a present of life. It's a present of untold possibilities. It's a present of being able to step into the wonderment of letting God work through your life and amaze you and other people just of his salvation of his greatness of his love of his tenderness of his compassion I would urge you at the close of this word to come forward just to the front lay your heart before God and just let him take you to the place where he wants you to be the man and woman of God that he has destined you to be and not who your husband expects you to be or your wife or any other member of your family or anyone else that you might know. God's man in God's situation. Be the prophet of God. Be God's man in God's situation. Amen. Thank you, brother.